0: Welcome to Films in the Wilderness, season three, episode five, the last episode, where we're talking about uh, the film Pig, and I am joined today by...
1: Molly Cook. Molly Engel.
0: And we have a special guest this evening, Jed Deering. You are joining us uh, for the first time this season. Hi, Jed.
2: Hey, y'all. It has been great to just get to sit back and listen and let you do the work and bring the (laughs) brilliance, but... I had loved uh, Pig so much and had been one of my picks for the series uh, for this Lent, and so I'd said that I just, my only my only request was I could get to come back as a special guest and join the conversation for this one. I'm so glad to be able to. Thank you.
0: I almost let you down on that one, too. So, well, I'm glad I didn't in the end. Um so uh, we're gonna jump into Pig right away. It was directed by Michael Sarnowski and it's from the this past year, 2021. So it's probably the most recent film we've done. I think that's true. Um, And dear listeners, if you hear singing in the background, it's because I have friends over who are playing guitar in my living room. So there we go. Um, Okay, well, let's jump right into this film. Our first question, as always, is what wilderness are the characters in the film experiencing? And guys, sometimes we've broken this up by character. Sometimes it's pretty much a one-person film, but um, this one might have several. So anyone want to leap in with uh, let's let's do Rob first Rick, Nick Cage's character what wilderness is he experiencing
3: Yeah so Rob is the the central protagonist in the film and it centers on his experience of the wilderness of losing his um his truffle pig and uh all that she represents to him which we will get into but um it's an easy allegory to draw between um the pig and his um a a lost someone who we we later I somewhat revealed to be his wife
0: right this is the the first one we've done that literally starts in the wilderness um what a wilderness it is I mean what what did you guys make of those amazing shots of the Oregon woods
1: it was lovely it was nice to look at um and it was also, that is what I thought when I started watching it. I'm like, oh, it's the first one that takes place in the wilderness, like actually. But then it, but then it, then it doesn't. It doesn't, yeah. It, it tricked me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> the wilderness of, uh, of the ur- urban jungle,
1: I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, yeah, the city becomes its own kind of wilderness. Um, But I... I don't know if the losing of his pig is what starts his own internal wilderness. I mean, didn't you have We're a...
3: doing partway through to that that tor- that sort of, I think, narrative right of his, his grief. Yeah. Uh, but the final the final um I guess like episode of the Odyssey is is the loss of the pig. Which gets at like our final question, right? What has to die? <laughs>
1: Oh
2: boy <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, I mean very very bluntly, yeah, I think there's you know, certainly, right, he's just lost in this wilderness uh of um I wouldn't even say grief because I don't think he is grieving yet he he hasn't been able to in some way, and it feels like he has you know, he has retreated, um you know, kind of become a recluse you know, we sort of got Robin Hood deep in the forest, right? Hiding out (laughs) before coming back in, you know, we've got that that character in the wilderness that we get in so many, so many times in the scriptures driven out there for so many different reasons. In this case, like a a real loss, um, one that's even, and led to, you know, led to him not contributing like the gift that he has into society anymore. And so I'd say, you know, there also, also does seem to be this somewhat of, uh uh, you know, a, a wilderness, a barrenness when it comes to community um, that's there, and and his ability to exercise his gift as good as that, uh, as good as that mushroom omelet looks that he fries up at his cast iron pan for himself one morning.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's once the pig is taken, he goes into like the local restaurant, which is about the only place anywhere nearby. And he asked for Marge, like the one really? person he knows. And she's been there yeah. for 10 years, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Gives you a real sense of time there. Um, but Holly, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this and particularly on, on this question of how deeply in grief is he? Because at first I really read a lot of grief, but as the movie went on, I began to think, maybe that's not what's going on. I don't know, Do you have thoughts about that?
1: feel like there is i think there is some grief for his wife but i feel like there's also a grief for um his past in general um and like what he what he has become maybe um even just like about his own way way of life that it, it's become it's become how he lives his life but um it's not he's not necessarily I don't know that he's necessarily happy with it either um, because you see, especially in that scene, I love the scene where he was um, making dinner. Um, and in that scene, you see how much he loves to cook. And then when he's talking to that, um, the, the man who used to be a chef um, and talking to him about, oh, well, you wanted to make this, have this pub. Um, because as Jed mentioned, he's no longer doing, he's no longer exercising his gift. He's no longer doing what he loves to do. So perhaps his grief is not simply just um, that that his wife is gone, but that he willingly chose this other way of life where he does not um, impart his gift to others and does not practice his gift.
2: Yeah, I in that way, and in that way, I would say he is, you know, in some ways, Uh, it feels like he is just as guilty as I'm trying to remember. uh, Finway was that that his name? I think Finway, the chef in that, in the same way, Finway was not actually living out or bringing his gift to bear in the world and authentically bringing himself. um, You know, you don't get the sense that Robin wasn't authentic, but he was no longer authentically bringing himself to the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Like as much as he might've remained authentic to himself um, he wasn't in relationship anymore.
3: I think it's like a poignant distinction to draw because, you know, at first when Jed, you said like, you know, he he wasn't really contributing his gift to society anymore. I kind of bristled at that. Cause I was like, well, you know, he's actually very skilled at hunting down truffles with his pig. True, and, and it's later revealed that the pig is not necessary for that work. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that this yeah. is really, the the pig was mainly there for companionship. Um, and so it's, it's like, rather than like, just a, a total like black and white withdrawal from authenticity, it's more of a dampening of authenticity, I feel, mm-hmm. of like, just, you know, feeling so, you know, such great emotion, you know, so overwhelmed by whatever it is, mm-hmm. whether it's the pressures of society and whatever, in Finway's case, or, or, grief or inability to process grief in Robin's case they they no longer have like the resources within themselves to live their fullest selves authentically but they're still making a try at contributing the thing that they know that they love that they can do
0: I I would even go further than that Molly I like at the beginning when he's walking around with the pig at a certain point he says I'm okay pig and uh, in that moment I read it as um a kind of half reassurance but but I also I was like he's not really okay because he seems depressed right there's something down about this man but as the movie went on and especially at the end I began to think no he really was okay He's just a kind of Zen master. And I'm not even sure. I mean, I understand that he's grieving, but I don't think it is the way, I don't think it's normal grief. I don't think it's like depressive grief. I think it's, um, I mean, maybe it's like the grief of Jesus in the wilderness at like, why does the world have to be this way? But maybe not a personal grief, um,
2: but I-, I, I and, and I guess I would I would push back a little bit on you there. Um, and offer a different read. Uh, maybe not pushback. Offer a different read, uh, but that—and this is what I love about this movie. I think it is—it is rich uh, for interpretation because it does not fill things in for us, right? And it's often silent, and it's evocative with images, and, and you know, gives us the chance to, to look at this in another way. But you know, we we think about as Molly, you're mentioning, um, you know, the pig that we'll get more into and what it means that perhaps there had been some transference. And you know, in the that it wasn't until the pig's dead that all of a sudden it seems like you know he is able to begin to move on a different way. We finally get him washing his face <laughs> for the first time, right? He he goes back, fun. and you get the sense he's finally listening to the tape of his um, of his deceased wife singing, you know, in her song that he had not been able to before, like that. There uh, that they're really for him were some things lost that he was not able to maybe to confront or to live with. I think somebody talks about it around the idea of, um, you know, you can have uh, gone, but not forgotten, but you can also have forgotten, but not gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and what it means that in some ways that she had been forgotten, but, but wasn't gone. Um, and, and hadn't, he hadn't fully embraced or wrestled with what her what her loss meant and been able to really live with the fact that just she was gone. Yeah. Um,
3: something that- I don't um, know if that
2: makes sense. But.
3: Oh yeah, no, I mean, that resonated with me at least. Uh, something that Carl brought up that I, it just made me realize something. Cause I, I only finished this movie like two hours ago, but um, at the very end, there's this like parallelism where Amir asks, um, robin if he he's he's okay after everything Mm. and i out loud was like absolutely not dude (laughs) and and then of course robin's like yeah (laughs) Uh uh-huh and it's like this 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 parallel to the, the very beginning uh where he reassures the pig that he's okay and honestly i think he's not okay in either one like i i you know, as much as, like, I, I think we handily, like, rejected the premise that, <laughs> that, that he's okay at the beginning, but I also would like to reject the conclusion that he's okay at the end, because, like, that, that, that moment where he washes his face is only the beginning of him being able to actually mm-hmm. dive into grief. He has not dealt with it yeah. yet. So, um, so, yeah, just, like, I just had that realization right here, right now, but... <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's valid
0: well i i think that um, i think we can push it f- further i mean there's so much to say about this movie that our questions might break down in a certain way um but one thing we can say is that i think that he acts as a kind of wilderness catalyst in other people like mm-hmm. he shows them the wilderness they're living in whether they recognize it or not um which is powerful powerful to watch and he and he does it repeatedly in in not a it's not an intrusive or attacking way well i don't think it is you know it might kind of seem that way but he's it's more like just pulling back a curtain revealing things Mm -hmm. the necessary sort of revelation as as he goes along um
2: I mean, there's, he goes into the underground, right? Actually. And like, there's, you know, this idea of there's a lot of excavating of happening of sorts that he's doing with people. And, you know, you have everything with uh, Eurydice and Orpheus and all of that with, uh, with the name of Finway's restaurant. And so, you know, you, you have the song being played in the underworld, right? What's happening is there's this trying to call back up from the dead, uh, you know, all the ways you might want to read like that inclusion. Um in in the film as well that yeah i think he i think he's not it's not that his time in the wilderness his literal time in the wilderness has been without reflection that's for sure but it feel it does feel like within the movie at some point there we get to a tipping point where he maybe begins to address what has been the biggest loss Mm -hmm. and i think begins is the right way to say like that part of it molly
3: I think it's uh, like we're seeing this theme emerge uh, across the films that we've discussed this season, of someone like a, a central person sort of experience, experiencing wilderness causes the people around them to to reflect on their own. Um, we like that was you know we talked about that in the last episode quite a bit, and I think that that's like sort of been the the phenomenon occurring across all of the stories.
0: Yeah so all the Greek allusions make sense to me, but I I think this is actually a really deeply Christian movie and the way the other movies (laughs) have been. And um, part of it is when he goes into that underground, I mean, he becomes a fairly obvious Christ figure, you know, taking the lashings without um, saying a word against him, which actually the person before him was doing too. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that stretches my point a little bit, but Kind of my thesis is so we haven't even talked about uh, Amir yet, who is his kind of at first, um, <laughs> can I say douchebag kind <laughs> of yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's say. Uh,
3: uh, you're, you're a cool priest, Carl. Oh,
0: yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, Amir drives um fancy sports car. What kind of car is it? Camaro? Mm-hmm. a bitching Camaro uh as the Dead Kennedy sang about I think it was the Dead Kennedy's anyway um yes and he seems to care about all the wrong things and uh he's harsh and uh, I don't know uh, unlikable at first um but there's a scene where they're in the kitchen of his home and he's cooked a kind of bad meal and Rob says to him you know none of this has to matter, right? We're one earthquake away from a giant tidal wave where this whole city will be wiped out. And what does any of this matter? And at that point, I mean, I still didn't know what to make of him as a character. And I thought, wow, this guy is, this guy is um, so cut off that he would just be happy to see everything die. You know, I, I was still in the Rob is grieving uh, mindset and it's a kind of nihilistic grief. And I, I was like, why can't? He? And and then later he says, you know, each of us only gets two or three things to truly care about. And I thought, well, that's not right. I mean, we're hopefully we can expand our compassion beyond two or three things. Um, but then at the end when he cooks that meal, and I have to admit, I was like tearing up. I was like. I don't know why I'm crying over a salted baguette and some wine and a couple of birds, but this is really beautiful. Um, you know, he says he remembers everyone he ever cooked for, every meal he's ever served. And I was like, oh, so his compassion is expanded, like wildly and radically expanded um to, to all of these people. And it made me as a Christian think about, well maybe that's the purpose of apocalypticism to kind of release us from the things that we are clinging to too tightly. And maybe it's um, the purpose of, of kind of Holy Spirit community to learn how to care about the immediate things all around you. And then maybe it's the purpose of Christ on the cross or however you want to put it, um, to make you care about everything. And maybe all the three things go together in our faith in a way I hadn't thought about previously. Um, Mm. I'll shut up now. I've talked too much, but.
2: I mean, I I think like, you know, you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the Christian elements of it and, you know, we're, we're here and this, this is going to be airing, you know, as we are heading into or out of Palm Sunday and into the rest of Holy Week. And we have all of these texts that are about, you know, uh, here is uh, a man of reproach, uh, forgotten by his neighbors. You know, afflicted, coming back in this, you know, suffering servant sort, coming in kind of weakly and meekly. And I think one of the things that this film does is, um, you know, one, it subverts like the John Wickishness of the cover <laughs> and all of it, and what you assume the movie is going to be, and the fact that he comes like really on like a mission of love instead of vengeance. And like his search for the pig, you know, what, however we want to read in what that search was really for with the pig, um, you know, there he he ends up encountering people. And like you said, Carl, even if it sometimes it was with confrontation, I think it was a confrontation that often like came out of love and out of a space of him accessing that gift he had of his memory and the gift to be able to recall so deeply, um, you know, what people's passions were who he had served you know whether it's with finway as the chef of the restaurant or darius and the the meal that he had served he and his wife and the bottle of wine (laughs) um you know and you just to have him come in and upend all of our expectations of you know what it was going to mean to to encounter each of these people along this way on this journey and that there's like another way to wholeness instead of um violence.
0: Well, should we um talk for a moment about Amir, who's the other main character I would say and is also in a wilderness of his own. Holly, what, what do you make of Amir?
1: Um, I well, I really liked within the film the connection between Amir and classical music. Um as as a fan of classical music and somebody who who plays it, um I just found that whole narrative really interesting like the the voice of the classical music radio man, you know, just some old dude in a tweed suit up in a hole somewhere, <laughs> like saying, oh yes, it is superior to all the other musics, and that Amir is always listening to this. He's always trying to, um, I, I feel like he's he's trying to prove himself constantly. I mean, he's, he's trying to show that he is, um, he is top-notch, he is high class, he has this fancy schmancy car he listens to fancy music he lives in a fancy apartment that is empty um it doesn't even really look lived in um and so that he's in a way just like how um the the chef at uh Eurydice how he is kind of acting out this um this life um and acting out this like oh this is what I wanted to do um, it's almost like Amir is doing the same thing, and in the process, uh, like Robin is kind of ignoring—I don't know if ignoring is the right word—but su- suppressing maybe his his own grief um, about um, his his mother and his father about about losing his mother um, and in the way that he's lost her, and um, in also in a way losing his father uh, because they're so they become so distant from one another.
0: Is his father a psychopath?
1: <laughs> I don't there, think so. There's a
0: certain point where his father said, I know what I am. And I was like, I think <laughs> I know what you are too. But then, then when he starts to eat, he gets so emotionally involved. I was like, okay, I'm wrong about that. He's not a psychopath. He's just uh, maybe bought into an ideology of success. I don't know. What What do you guys think of the father?
2: I think it's the names in this are all very interesting, right? And that with Darius, you get, you know, what it means is up. Darius is a possessor. Mm. Uh, you seek to gather to maintain value, and uh, and just what it means that apparently, you know, he is just within capitalism has decided to just lean fully into becoming this one who possesses so much. Um, and even, even I wonder if there's something in why, uh, he hasn't released his wife to die. Um, if that would, if that would force him to confront and to break down and to lose the facade, right. And is like holding, holding that, holding that in, ignoring that, staying busy, conquering the business world, um, you know, exploiting what he can, gaining value of what he can from restaurant industry which there's a lot of commentary on in this as well certainly too um, you know if that that isn't kind of just where he's gone and and focused his all of his energies and he's lost even that one place of uh, where there's the possibility for relational joy of the shared meal right which of course then we get we finally get the opening up or a breakdown at least um, yeah he's become a recluse in
3: his own right as the the voice on this podcast advocating for the humanity of the problematic parents in films but i really would love to know who hurt him like because Mm. it wasn't the wife like he was that way before she Mm -hmm. was um close to death per amir is telling um and so i don't know it angered me that there wasn't more depth to him like you have such a rich antagonist and you need to just leave him unexplained frustrated me. But this is a movie of few explanations.
0: Well, one thing that's unexplained or at least we can have different opinions of is why he has the pig kidnapped. And I came away thinking he had that pig kidnapped not because he wants truffles, but because he wants to stop his son's ambition. Like it it seemed like an act of open aggression towards his Mm child to do this. Um, and and he explains it that his son is simply not tough enough for the business. So I kind of took that as a little bit of an answer to your question, Molly, like something happened that taught him uh, how tough you needed to be to succeed. Um, and maybe in his mind, he thinks he's protecting his son through these actions. Um, I don't think so, but.
1: Mm-hmm. is the restaurant business really that hardcore <laughs> <laughs> yeah like but you need protection from it yeah the you whole got, it's time like i was like
3: i'm i'm ready for this to be about drugs and it never was <laughs> oh.
0: well you know this is a movie where they um the the top chefs go down to the underground so people can beat them up to show how she- tough they are so at least in this fairy tale-esque world it is you know it's definitely
2: that hardcore so it did it, it feel it felt very uncanny to me sometimes I don't know about the all of this world that you know kind of like when you you get um some like LA noir movies or conspiracy theory movies and you're just kind of you're suspending belief a bit and entering in and it's, it's so close to the way things really work and yet not. And so it 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 left me like uneasy a lot during the film because of because of the kind of in-between world that we're in.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anyone else experiencing a wilderness that we can see?
2: Okay. I, mean, I guess certainly uh, Chef Finway, right, mm-hmm. seems to to be one to kind of be lost in his desire for acclaim or to please people or to be tied into the latest trends instead of um using his gifts which actually happen to match the thing that his heart wants and <laughs> being able to combine the two of those things together to to live an authentic life. So it feels like you know kind of lost in the wilderness of um uh of giving into the to the demands of the scene or the contemporary moment or the now and um, you know, in the restaurant world.
0: Okay. What new thing is emerging? I mean, is any new thing emerging in Rob's life, really? It, it, I guess that's... I don't know if there's much of an arc to him.
3: I think that's the depth of his connection to other people again. Ah. Like, I think he's reconnecting to the world through Amir. Like who at one point was his only connection to the outside world, but they, they barely, you know, exchanged pleasantries <laughs> at their, their little truffle handoff at the beginning. Um, and then, you know, they, they come to really f- deeply appreciate the depth of each other's personhood throughout this, this mm-hmm. film. And in order to do that, Rob has to reconnect with all of these other people and even form some new, new momentary connections, right? Like with that, the child who um, tells him about, well,
1: tells yeah.
3: him, you know, discusses the lack of a person and tree and his whole house and, and all of this type of thing. So um, yeah, he has to, he has to in some ways be more of a person than he's been for the last long while.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think that, it- I'm sorry, that he, you know, even in he, uh, Amir kind of works as a surrogate for him at times. And, you know, when he, Amir has to go retrieve the wine from where Laurie's ashes are laid to rest, right? Like he can't go to the mausoleum yet. Like he he could have had Amir do some of the other errands and instead didn't. And, you know, that to to then be able to listen to her tape at the end, her recording at the end, it feels like, there was a new thing emerging and being able to be present with her in loss where he had to even send someone else on his behalf earlier. Mm-hmm. So I get, get a real sense of like that, that change that we have. in him.
3: Yeah. It seems like he was really stuck in like this denial stage for a very long time. Right. But like, in and in order to maintain it, he cut everything else off. And they have this, like, the, there's that, like, wonderful line toward the end where he sort of reflects to Amir that, like, if he hadn't gone after her, to him, she would still be alive. And he, at first, you know, Amir probably maybe thinks that he's talking about the pig, but then he says, but, but she wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes about the wife. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's where the Orpheus and Eurydice myth mm-hmm. comes in the strongest, right? The, which is a really good reflection on that myth too, you know, that for Orpheus, if he doesn't go into hell to or Hades to try and retrieve Eurydices, he doesn't have to, he won't, he, won't, he cannot imagine her in her state of death, which going after her requires that he do, that he see it, that he experience it, so... Um, does that mean the movie is telling us not to not to pursue lost things,
3: or maybe it's telling us that in the pursuit of lost things we can tangenableize make concrete to ourselves their loss?
2: Hmm. Oh, that's good. There's because there's remembrance, right? Molly, like at the meal, they actually have this moment of remembrance where these men are bound together by the the loss of wife, of mother, of this woman in their life of, um, and in that remembrance, like something happens again, how much does it propel transform, or change them? We don't get a lot of that story, but there's a moment at least in that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: There are like many, so many ways to grieve. And this is, I think just as valid as any other, you know, it's, it's like that, um, gosh, why can't I remember the name of the poet, but like, you know, do not go gentle into that good night, right? Like I'm it's honest. the same, yeah. Yeah, it's the that that same sentiment of like I, it is a very natural thing to feel a like a rage and a rejection of of loss of death. When yeah. you're close up,
0: it might be, but I hate that poem.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's <laughs> very overquoted, but. Um, I think that's because it's poignant.
0: It is, but I want to go gently into the good night. Like, why should I be raging? Like, I know. like, Well, what, what does well it
3: I think the point is that, like, maybe, like, the poet is frustrated that the person dying gets to go gently
0: and okay. wishes
3: that they wouldn't.
0: Yeah, maybe.
3: That was always my reading,
0: but... Okay. That are quite more for for yeah. their sake, yeah.
2: Do we do we think that there was any new thing starting to emerge in the relationship of Amir and Darius, or was it simp- or or was the emergence of a new thing Amir being able to truly recognize, in a way, the violence his father was choosing against him, <laughs> and the 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 fact that his father was um unable to was paralyzed and is lost in some way right you know i don't know like was it just about a recognition or was something else happening for one or both of them holly what do you think
1: i feel like there was something emerging it wasn't like they were becoming like buddies or anything but that it's I, I mean, and of course, we, we don't know what Amir's experience with his father in the past has been, but it seems like this is the most he has interacted with his father in, like, I don't know, months, years, maybe, that just, like, talking to him and see, seeing him break down that way, I, I get the feeling that he would never saw his father lose his cool like that before. So even though there's not necessarily, I, I don't know if I would say that a relationship has formed between them at the end, um, or a relationship that's better than the one that they have, which isn't really so great, um, but it's it's more like he's this understanding of his father and that his father is, isn't a psychopath, <laughs> um, that there's something deeper there, that there's a deeper pain there, which could potentially lead to um, more depth in their relationship um and that perhaps there not all hope is lost
0: yeah it it, i want to say that like amir has been convinced that he actually doesn't have to live this kind of life you know that he can go and do whatever he wants he doesn't have to be a food broker he doesn't have to have a camaro he doesn't have to have like a catalog apartment um but at the end, of course, they say to each other, "See you next week," right? Which implies things are just going to mm-hmm. go on. So maybe there's an internal change. Maybe like the attitude or the approach will be different.
3: But I, I mean, don't... to me, this is like transference was such a heavy theme in this film that I can't imagine that you know Amir and Rob have not sort of transferred some of of their energy onto each other. You know, yeah. it's very clear in the scene where they're preparing the meal for the the, the world's most awkward dinner, where um, where they're like Rob has taken on this sort of father figure role,
0: yeah, um,
3: and and filling the the gaps in Amir's life, and this choice to continue their relationship with one another. If to me, it signaled like this, you know. We're both moving on from the things that are dead and focusing on the thing that is alive.
2: Yeah. Even the sweet, tender moment where Rob uh champions that Amir got the wine. Yeah. At the table, like to his that it was just like, oh, like a, a cheerleading and affirmation. Like yeah.
3: It was like such good mentorship, you know, giving credit where credit's due.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Well and that makes me realize I think that the wilderness one of the wildernesses we didn't name was our kind of cultural or societal wildernesses and um because this movie is such a great bait and switch right like we are all expecting the violence to break out at some point you know where like in that kind of third act where rob says to a mirror you know go to this ba- or go to this place um and uh, set, tell him I set you, you know, in a in any any in movies like this that I've seen before, he's going to get some kind of weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is instead, you know, he's he's going to get a bottle of wine. Rob's going to go get a loaf of bread, like like that's it. And so I I think there is a kind of wilderness of toxic masculinity which has taught us through countless movies. Um, that the way to deal with with offense and with grief and, with you know, loss and anger is violence. And um, this movie almost requires of us that we let that die if we are to accept it as a movie, right? I imagine people who hate it are the people who are like, where was the cathartic moment of bloodshed <laughs> that seemed to be promised, right?
3: I was at the Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there could be an argument made that the bottle of wine is the weapon, because it's an emotional weapon. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're they're go they're setting out to evoke this this very like poignant memory um, in Amir's dad to bring like take him to the edge, you know, and that's just happening emotionally in a way that we sometimes expect to happen physically, especially with men.
1: Yeah, they do kind of emotionally same, destroy It's the same, him. I think, plot device, like.
0: But it's Holly. what were you saying?
1: Oh, I said, yeah, they did kind of emotionally destroy him <laughs> by feeding him. The, that was a pretty, I mean, it was a violent reaction. Um, if, it's not like physical violence, but just like the, well, even he did, he, he yelled at Rob. Uh, he's like, leave my house, get out. So it, there was a violent reaction
3: yeah I mean I think it's it's just very familiar at least I mean I don't want to speak for you Holly it's very familiar to me as a woman that this is this is a type of violence it's just emotional
0: Hmm. well but the person who is the most emotionally distraught in the sequence is ultimately Rob when he learns that the pig is dead like he is the one who is crying out and falling to his knees
3: yeah but I mean like that isn't that how all fights go. Like the, all of the best fight scenes go, where you think like you know the protagonist goes in, he's going to get the bad guy, and then the bad guy reveals like you know I don't I don't even have the thing you're coming after me for. Mm-hmm. You know it's 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 the same. It's you know it's a archetype.
0: So it's using the same tropes, but twisting yeah. or transforming them to a different end.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, like reading it as a as a deconstruction of toxic masculinity is right on because this is a very feminine form of violence.
2: Huh. Violence, or I mean, was it? Do we see that there's a grace here, or no? That it was like that the meal offered, in fact, was like a grace because it it invited him into something forgotten. I mean, it is a confrontation, no mm-hmm. question, just like with the chef. You know, he it's a confrontation, but. It's a, you know, it's a confrontation that's almost inviting the person to confront themselves um,
0: through yeah, I guess it's, through an it's act a of,
2: rem- of a reminder, and you know, I mean, it, I, you can see I can see the line where you're at, but for, it was interesting to hear that just because I, I think I experienced that as like a grace and mm. and not as not as a weaponizing. I mean, as much as like it was the final battle. Like, you're right, yeah. 100%. It was the boss battle. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. It's an interesting uh, reaction. Yeah, you know, like with.
3: we said, the film does leave a lot for, up for interpretation and without yeah. knowing the explicit motivation behind what he was doing, I think you could read it either way. Um, but, I mean, I, I just saw it as, you have a thing that I want and I'm going to go after you for it. So... I mean, maybe that was yeah. Amir's motivation. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to our final question because this movie is so rich that, of course, we're going longer than we have before. <laughs> so um, and you added a fourth wheel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what thing had to die in order for the, the new thing to emerge? And we've all, well, you already answered it at the beginning, obviously, the pig. <laughs> but were there other things that had to die?
3: I mean, I think the relationship between Amir and his dad experienced a new death, um, and I I'm I'm still mixed, and I'd love to hear all y'all's thoughts about it. But like, I don't know if Amir's mom had to die because to him she was already dead.
0: Yeah,
3: and to the father, we don't really see any sort of conclusion. On, on the choice of, of her death or not.
0: Yeah
3: but it's so like it's served up for us on this platter of like this is something that needs dealt with. Um, so I don't know if that's a, that's a necessary death or not. but I mean also Rob's way of, of life and, and denial of grief is also dying.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I think I disagree about because I don't <laughs> I don't think his way of life is a grief soaked way of life. At all. I think it's a very kind of Zen Forest Hermit, you know, detachment. And I, I agree there is there's there's definitely grief there, like you can't ignore it. Um, but at first I thought that it was uh um kind of anti-other human kind of grief, like a, a nihilistic, angry uh mis misanthropist kind of grief. By the end of the movie, I didn't think that at all. No. So
3: I certainly hope Zen Forest Dweller is where he ends his grief journey, but I don't think he's there by the time that we say goodbye to him at the end of the movie.
0: Okay. Yeah, Holly. Anything else that needs to die in any of the characters?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think. All I can think about is the pig. It was such the entire movie was about finding the pig, and then the pig died. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, I don't know. Um I guess like well his um his isolation had to die. He had to go um I'm talking about Rob, of yeah. course, um that he he had to leave whether it was Zen hermit life or depressed Zen hermit hermit life. Um he had to leave it um and and reintroduce himself after 10 years into society, which um obviously was Difficult since some of the people he knew were dead and like everything had changed. Um, so had to go through that. That um, he could never completely return to that solitary state again. I don't think. I, I think that that part of his life is is dead now. Um, but I think it's for the better.
0: That's true. I think the over reliance on truffles in Oregonian oak cuisine needs to die.
3: <laughs> but did it? <laughs> it means to, but did it in the course of
2: No, I don't think it did. You know, with mentioning the truffle, I mean I think the trope that and not necessarily a trope, but the it feels like these men, and this is this is a movie about men, my goodness. Um, you know, we, we rarely get a get a woman on screen in the film, um, is that you know he loses he loses his companion in this pig who's supposedly the truffle hunter, um, but is not. And like has these almost magical skills or abilities. And is it that, you know, that for these men, the women in their life have been able to dig up something from them that they otherwise couldn't access themselves had been ones who had been, um, you know, able to elicit something from them that otherwise they could not, access and I think um, uh, for them to be able to go on that journey themselves for them to be able to let go like people had to let go of the idea that oh it was the pig who was finding you know the truffles there's actually him but there's some there's something there around their relationship around their relationship with women um, even as it was clear that you know the women in their life were a gift for them um, so I don't know. There's there's some there's something there that feels like is changing or transforming.
0: Okay, well, any final thoughts on the movie? I mean, we didn't we didn't really do a whip around to ask whether we liked it or not. I mean, uh, Holly, did you like the movie?
1: I did like the movie. Yes, I wasn't expecting to either. Um, I'm I'm not usually a pig man in the wilderness type person, um, but i think the the movie was so layered um and i i also loved how slow it was in some spots like um when especially when people were talking to rob and he would he would wait a very long time before answering and and i just i really liked that pacing and thought it fit the the nuances and layering of the movie really well so i i enjoyed it i i think it was i'm glad that i got to watch it
0: yeah how about you molly
3: yeah. I would not say that pig man in the wilderness is my cup of tea either usually, but I think it is especially good for what it is. The thing that I, I am still processing, whether I can kind of put aside is just like the, the use of fridging really in it. Um, just iceboxing So it's basically when you kill off usually a woman at the beginning oh. to motivate the male protagonist. Um, in this case they french the pig and by extension the wife um just the fact that that they have this entire pursuit like this odyssey in search of a pig who is never named um and of course that's for easy you know easy transference to being about Mm -hmm. about laurie the wife but um it just like i couldn't I i couldn't get on board like it just didn't didn't feel empathetic to me um but i realized that you know, like other movies we've talked about this season. This movie was not made for viewers like me. And I appreciated the um the, the art the art of it, even if you know long silences and sweeping, you know, <laughs> images of wilderness are not usually what I look for in a film. <laughs>
0: You know, I think more and more they are what I look for. <laughs> like in those first 10 minutes, I was like, this movie is for me. Like just give me more trees like dripping water and I'm I, I could sit here for two hours. Um, but thank you for yeah. the term fridging.
3: I've got, a, I've got a trilogy for you. It's Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh, yeah, well, of course. Um, I think I did tell you the other day I wanted to be a wood elf. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, but thank oh, you for the man. term fridging. I, I, I hadn't heard that before, but that's a good see useful term to yeah. for a common thing uh, Jed I take it you like the movie a lot
2: yeah I mean I just think like to have a movie that this smartly works against the myth of redemptive violence uh, you know you, you have one certainly that take a stance but not act with actually diving into the challenges that are within that and how you enact another way creatively I mean I think I feel like especially returning to it this morning after, you know, watching the Oscars last night and watching Will Smith go up and smack Chris Rock, mm-hmm. right? And just like that, like, and just what uh, what, what it means, what we buy into the belief of, of what violence can accomplish um, in protection and care and in love and uh, to see the way that I think this movie really worked hard to undo that. I don't, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Some of the filmmaking can very much tell it's a first-timer, and it's got a lower budget than it should have. And so there are times I was frustrated with the filmmaking, but uh, there have been very many movies that I've talked or thought more about, and I think have more to offer. So,
0: yeah, I really liked it. It was, I was really excited yeah. to talk about it tonight because um, I found it very rich. Um, so, thank you for recommending it, Jed, or for putting it on the yeah. slides. And you guys
3: loved the music. <laughs> we've talked about it, Like everyone else has said something about music. I also love them.
0: Yeah, although I find that Bruce Springsteen song be incredibly creepy. I'm on fire. I love it,
3: but it's woefully (laughs) overcovered.
0: Oh yeah, okay. I
3: heard a cover of it one time in a coffee shop and it took me three hours to track down who was covering it because so many people have. There
0: (laughs) we go. All right, well, thank you. Holly and Molly, thank you for being with me during this season of uh, Films in the Wilderness. And um, we never know whether we're gonna redo this again, but uh, hopefully we will uh, come Advent or at least next year's Lent. So um, Molly, again, congratulations on getting into seminary. And
2: here we go. Yeah. For next
3: season,
0: maybe. Yeah, yeah. And Holly, thank you for being our French interpreter in all things.
2: You're welcome. Okay. Was that
0: essential in two days, one night? Really <laughs> yeah. It really was. It really was. Yeah. Um, which I, by the way, I figured out that film is set in Belgium. It's right there in like the description on IMDb, and I don't know why I didn't notice okay. it. So that's why the. Explains
3: so much, honestly.
0: Yeah, the the beast is. That, am I saying that right? Beasts. Yeah, the beast in uh in Belgium must just be one kiss. I guess. <laughs> There we go. All right, dear listeners, thank you very much, and we will see you again sometime, somewhere.